now listening to The Prime Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring and investigating all things health, fitness, and performance related. When something is in its prime, it is at its best. This includes us as humans. Are you ready to take on the world? Then join us on this journey to live life in your prime. All right, and we're back. Uh, here we got another episode of the Prime Podcast. And here, um, like we've been talking, the goal here is to, to help you find your prime. And I have a special guest here, uh, old friend Jeremy Todd. He is a owner of Vatra Spine and Sport, a chiropractic clinic, as well as Island Park Fitness, a uh, group strength and conditioning facility, not uh, too different than Prime Movement Performance, where we come out of. Um, so welcome, Jeremy. And how are you doing? I'm great. Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Excited to uh, chat about health and fitness here. Yeah. Health, fitness, injury, all that good stuff. None of our clientele or our population may know who you are. Um, I know that you're not super active on social media. You're getting a little bit better with it. Um, I've been seeing some good stuff lately. And uh, just give us a little background. Uh, You know, where'd you, how'd you get started in fitness and health and and chiropractic, all that jazz. Let's give us the, the quick three minute history. The three minute version here. Well, I did. Um, so I guess it started in high school. I, I knew I wanted to get into the uh, holistic medicine realm, then went to IC where I met you and majored in clinical exercise science and but always knew I was going to go on to chiropractic college at that from there. Uh, so I went up to New York chiropractic college up the road from Ithaca. And that's where, you know, I first started learning how to treat people and was also in, uh, introduced to CrossFit in about 2006. One of the guys I was going to school with uh, went to, got his L1. Um, so that was the first, uh, so I kind of got introduced to both things simultaneously and started understanding the, you know, kind of the benefit of movement in, um, in rehabbing people. Uh, from there, I moved over to Croatia, got married, moved to Croatia, um, started treating people there, playing baseball, just treating whoever I could. And uh, we opened, eventually we opened up the first uh, CrossFit gym in Croatia. Um, so I've always kind of come from that, okay, like simply just laying there and having somebody do something to you isn't, ju- isn't going to be the end all be all to getting out of pain um, and, and really saying, well, yeah, I can, I can take you so far, but you know, if we get you stronger, it's going to help you in the long run. It's going to help you lead a more sustainable pain-free life as opposed to just coming and seeing me all the time. I never thought that that was a, uh, a good business model. Um, and it was cool. It was cool being overseas. You know, I got to, uh, treat some professional basketball players, work with some Olympians. Um, so I got to see some real high end athletes, uh, from there moved back to Long Island in 2015. Um, then uh, started, I uh, was one of the co-founders, I guess you could say, of the online portion of uh, the active life, if people have heard of that. I was there for like the first two to three years of that. Um, so I did a lot of the Bulletproof programs. I wrote those. So odds are, if you've done a Bulletproof program, that was some of my stuff. And I got to work with some top end um, CrossFit Games athletes. I worked with Samantha Briggs and Brooke Wells, and I helped rehab Camille LeBlanc's shoulder after she had surgery. So I got to do some remote programming. So again, still helping people with my hands in the clinic, but also helping people through exercise really expand their capacity so they could do more without pain. Um, and then from there, you know, I kind of I got out of that and uh, I've just been focusing on the clinic and um, 
getting as best as I can with my hands, but still, you know, keeping, keeping in the gym and understanding how that's, that's a big part of it too. Is that three? Is that three minutes? I mean, we're going to dive into a whole bunch of stuff anyway. So, so you said that you, I'm going to, I'm going to go way back to like the first part. Do you knew that you were going to go to chiropractic school right out of Ithaca? Well, I knew in high school. Yeah. We had a, we had a program, um, at our, at our high school where you could basically design your own independent study. And I ended up focusing on holistic medicine. So I basically went and shadowed an alternative in holistic medicine. So I shadowed osteopaths, chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, recce, like I just got to sit in on all of that and through it all chiropractic made the most sense, even though I, you know, can practice completely different in my ideas of what health is is completely different now than it is then. Um, yeah, I, I landed on, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a chiropractor at about. Yeah. And I know, and uh, Jamie and I talked about, uh, like the evolution. I talked about it re- recently with one of my former coaches who's now going to PT school, kind of like that evolution of, you know, what you obviously studied back in high school, which was probably like late nineties, early two thousands. Versus what you do now, 20 years later is, is complete. They could be night and day almost. Yeah. And then 2006, you found CrossFit in 2006, you said, right after college? Yeah. I was in Cairo school and, um, one, yeah, like I said, one of my good friends went to a level one and then came back and was applying it on some, like some class members and like some of their symptoms were going away. Wow. Um, so like people had like carpal tunnel, um, you know, he's getting them to do pull-ups and they, they wouldn't have carpal tunnel anymore. And I was like, well, I'm not having that much fun in the gym right now. Let's do this. And I think one of the first <laughs> things we did was fight gone bad. And I just got completely mangled. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, I like this. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's a few years before I found it. Uh, but you know, it doesn't mean it make it right or wrong, but that was just, I, I didn't realize that you found it so early in the game. 2006 is early. That's cool. Yeah, that was before the big before the big boom. Before the big boom for sure. And then you know, schooling you went to New York chiropractor, and then you know moved to Croatia. How did why why Croatia? How'd you get there? How did that happen? <laughs> that was a you know big curveball. We were just talking off air before about how Jeremy uh, takes a long time to maybe make decisions or do things, but then you know he just was like, oh, I just moved to Croatia and opened the first CrossFit gym in Croatia. It's like that's completely outside of what we were just talking about before, wouldn't you say? There was, well, there was, there was, it was funny. I was talking to my wife about that before too. She's like, yeah, how'd that happen? So the reason I moved over there is my, my wife has citizenship over there. So we started dating in chiropractic college. And, um, you know, one summer we were like, we were painting a house. If you ever paint with anybody, there's just, there's a lot of downtime. So we were talking, it was like, you know, what are you going to do after school? When are you going to do after school? We're kind of like feeling each other out because we had like just started dating. And, uh, she's like, well, I always thought about, you know, I have citizenship in Croatia. I thought about going there and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> it's not New York. My whole mindset was like, listen, I've been in upstate New York my entire life. Like there's more to this world. I got to go out and see it. So I was thinking like, oh, I'll go to the West coast, whatever. But she mentioned that. And then, um, we, we took one of our breaks. We went over there and visited with her family and it was like, okay, like that was, that was what I needed to see. That was the information I needed to gather. I was like, okay, I can see this happening. So I was like, all right, I came back from that trip. I'm like, we're moving, we're moving there. I'm going to marry this woman and we'll do that. And we'll do that. That's awesome. That's kind of why I, so, I, you know, I left. That's why I moved to New York city. I didn't quite leave New York state. And now in retrospect, I wish I kind of did in some ways, but I moved down to New York city because I was like, oh, I'm sick of, I'm sick of upstate New York. So I moved down to New York city and ended up being down there for like 10 years, which is where I found CrossFit and which is where all that kind of snowballed effect and got me to kind of where I am right now, back upstate, but doing something completely different than I ever thought of. Yeah. Not, I mean, it, it's, it's cool to go back, back upstate though. Like, so I'm up there now, I'm up here now with my parents and it's like, it's 
there's something special about upstate as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different for sure than, than, uh, the down downstate section of New York. So what, what got you, what was the, the motivation to open a CrossFit gym over in Croatia? You know, obviously there, there was no, you know, there's no proof of concept over there because, you know, like if you're in New York city or you're Long Island, there's CrossFit gyms, you know, at that time, when were you in Croatia? What were the years like? It's 2009 to 2014. Yeah. So that was like the big boom of CrossFit, right? So that was, mm-hmm. that was when it kind of jumped off. And, you know, if you're in New York city at the time, you could probably throw a rock and hit five in different directions and hit five CrossFit gyms. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And New York city, I mean, I was in, we were in Brooklyn there was, they were popping up left and right in all these different neighborhoods. Every neighborhood had its own kind of CrossFit gym in Brooklyn. It was, it was getting pretty crazy. Yeah, um, my, my uh, business partners, um, he was at CrossFit Bay Ridge. Yeah. That's where he started. Yeah. And that was one of them that popped up. Yeah. There was CrossFit Coney Island. We were, I was at CrossFit 718. There's CrossFit mm-hmm. South Brooklyn. There was CrossFit Prospect Heights, CrossFit Crown Heights, CrossFit Flatbush. CrossFit, and like there was like every neighborhood that, that exists in Brooklyn had, was having like their own kind of CrossFit gym. And it was kind of, it was a wild time. Um, I don't think many of them are still there. No, South Brooklyn's still bumping. South Brooklyn is one of the, one of the OGs and it's still, I think one of the, most well-respected and i think their owner is the northeast guy yeah yeah, yeah. dave yeah. rosario yep um but yeah so i guess what was the you know like uh, in, you know in new york you're like oh I, you know everyone has a crossfit gym I, I kind of can see this happening i can see this just working but like you're in croatia there aren't other ones to compare it to and there aren't other right. people who really kind of know what it is so what was the right. yeah well i think well, well early when we moved over there um chiropractic is anything over there. So I, you know, we were fighting uphill against that too. And so I didn't, we didn't have a lot of patience. And so I really dug into the CrossFit journal and was just experimenting with a lot of that stuff on myself. And, uh, actually with a baseball team, I got caught on with a baseball team over there. Um, my wife and I did their strength and conditioning and I got to play uh, and we won a national championship. So it was kind of, you know, interesting to, to kind of apply just basic strength and conditioning stuff. It's not like we were doing CrossFit, CrossFit with them, but to apply it and then go into the season and say, oh, these kids are hitting home runs that never hit home runs before and, you know, pitching complete games and blah, 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 blah. So that was kind of my first, you know, strength and conditioning experience. Um, and then from there, understanding how the, the, the sports are run in that country, there's still like a communist element to it. So all the lead, all the presidents of all the clubs get together and obviously the soccer club you know, carries a lot more weight than the baseball guy and the, the rowing club and the, and the, you know, the water polo and the handball. And so, but they all get together. And the president of the baseball team was just a really brash, loud guy. And he was like, you guys need to get this American on board with you. So, you know, so that kind of led to some other opportunities with like a rowing club that has like 12 Olympic medals to, in their history. So I got to work with, with those guys. And then, you know, I was working with, you know, led to more patients. And then I'm working with patients and working on the active care part of it. And then I, and one day I was in like five different gyms, either treating people or training people and really just trying to improve their, their joint health. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I need my own space. Um, and I was like, well, CrossFit just makes some sense because that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been applying. That's what I know. And kind of thinking like, yeah, like people here are going to like this because it's a big like sports town. There's a lot of Olympic history and Olympians that have come out of there. So like, there's just something about like the way they hold athletic people in that town where we knew it was going to be something big and something that was going to take off. For sure. And, and how long were you, 
you know, doing that, running that gamut where you were bopping around and doing that kind of before you decided to kind of open your own uh, physical location? Yeah. So I think, I mean, it must have been year, year and a half because I think we moved over in 2009, summer 2009. Uh, we moved to the, a different city the next year. So that's 2010. And then we opened up like January 1st, 2012 was when we opened. So, you know, it was probably a solid year and a half or two years of, yeah, of really, you know, pushing that. Yeah. I mean, that, well, that's a, that's a, I mean, still because you were able to, you know, even if, you know, the CrossFit isn't like a thing yet, you were building your own, you know, personal brand mm-hmm. reputation for kind of knowing what you're doing, you know, get this American involved here. <laughs> that's like, yeah. it goes funny. I yeah. just think of like different, you know, uh, movies where they talk, and they show these different things. And it's just, well, no, and you got it, guys. The guy's name was Serga, and he had this thick, you know, accent. He's like, "You got to get this American involved. Like, get him, get him." You know, so and it was cool, you know, because um, Tony, the 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 team that Tony Kukoc came up through was was in the town. Like, I lived in that town. It was split Croatia, and so he, so you know, Serga was able to. He was a big basketball guy, so he got us kind of connecting with them. So I worked with these guys. I know, like, you know, I'm I'm in my clinic, and I knew I have a new patient coming, and like these seven foot tall guys were walking in and I'm like, okay, I can guess what you do. <laughs> so I like, I got these three guys that, you know, we're playing in, you know, the Israeli league or the, the Russian league or the Turkish league, Spanish league. So in like, you know, six, 10, seven foot guys, um, as well as, uh, some, these two brothers, they won the gold at the last Olympics in 2016. Uh, like they, one of them got hurt before world championships. So I was able to help rehab him out of that. And they, I think they won gold or silver at worlds that year. In what, in what event? Uh, the double skull. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, their, 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 six K time was 18 minutes flat. <laughs> just, just hold the one thirty pace for 18 minutes. But, it, but at the same time I was doing that, I was also running a low back rehab class in a, you know, cold war era atomic bomb bunker you know so like we were just spreading it thin. so we'd be at the rowing club one night we're in this like bomb shelter the next night you know we're treating people out of our apartment i'm treating people in the back of bars i'm working out at the gym you know so it was just kind of just just hustling and then it was just like okay how can we just consolidate this to one place and i i I did my student teaching in cyprus um and the weight room idea or the, the idea that of working out was not a thing in 2005. I mean, I, in 2009, I can't imagine it's much different. Like their ideas and their, I guess what they had available, you know, in terms of equipment and different things was just different. I mean, but you're also working with like the elite people and in, in positions of, you know, where, you know, you're, they're trying to win gold medals and do stuff like that. So they might have better access, but we were at a university in Cyprus that we, I was like trying to go in the weight room and I was like, this is, I don't know what this place is. <laughs> yeah. You'll see the IC football weight room look better than. Yeah, I mean, it was probably similar, probably similar to (laughs) Sirachi. So it brings us back. Oh, you know, back to the States, back stateside. And you move to Long Island. Yep. Um, And you're not from Long Island, though, correct? No, no. I I don't think I've maybe been to Long Island once at that point in my life. Yeah. So you're from where? Like Rochester, Binghamton area? No, more like Kingston, New Paltz. Oh, okay. Kingston, New Paltz. All right. For some reason, I thought you were from Rochester area. But now, so now... Like what got you to Long Island? So a guy I went to chiropractic school with, uh, Sean Pastuch, um, the summer before, like, so we had known each other from chiropractic school and I came over the summer before because, you know, we kind of knew our time was up in Croatia. Um, we had our daughter over there. We, you know, we realized, okay, like we're not going to be raising kids here. You know, we, we went in open-minded like, Hey, maybe if this is working out, we'll stay here. But it wasn't, 
I don't know. It just wasn't comfortable. So, um, came back, uh, to visit and took a, uh, actually took a strength balance, um, seminar with Corey Duvall who runs CrossFit Asheville. Um, and I visited Sean okay. and, um, and you know, I was just like, Hey, like, I know you're running a CrossFit gym. You're treating people as similar as, as I am. Like, let me just see what I'm getting into. Cause at that point I'm like, all right, I got to open my own thing when we move back. And then after I went back home, he's like, Hey, I need a business partner. Why don't you hop in? And so that's how I ended up there. It's like, Oh, this is much easier. And that is how active life was born as well. And then, yeah, so that's, so that's how I ended up there. And that's, yeah. Cause he was running, you know, he, he had the business active life, chiropractic and soft tissue. And then when I hopped on, I, you know, I brought in the structural balance stuff, the strength balance stuff uh, that Corey had really established and spent years establishing uh, where, you know, like the idea of, Hey, if you can, you know, squat this, you should be able to deadlift that, or, you know, you should be able to do this amount on a high pole, this amount on a one arm press. Well, you know, you should be able, if you're deadlifting this much, you should be able to carry this much. And if your numbers are off by a certain degree, you're more likely to be in chronic pain. So basically taking his strength, strength methodology and saying, okay, where do you need to get strong to get out of pain? And I had been applying that in Croatia with, with, you know, with people while I was over there for a few months and saw some really cool results. And then we started doing it in the gym when I, when, you know, when I came back, you know, and when, in Long Island, we started doing it with some of the patients there again, who are very, you know, who are fit people. And we started seeing results there. And that's where, that's where kind of the online portion of active life started to take off from there with Sean's ideas of, Hey, like we can probably make a program that people can follow and we can do this one-on-one remotely. Um, so yeah. Nice. And Corey, so Corey Duvall is obviously some is, I'm not super familiar with him, but is he, is he some sort of disciple of, of Poliquin okay. and all that? Cause I think like a lot of the structural balance stuff from my research from over the last you know decade is all kind of seems to stem from Poliquin and everyone who kind of has talked about it has always talked about Charles Poliquin as being the mentor, the, the brain child behind the initial idea of the structural balance. Yeah. So, so Corey's the guy that got me involved that introduced me to CrossFit. Um, he also, he did some early OPEX well, before it was OPEX. Um, he was doing stuff with them. I think that's where he kind of got that idea of, uh, you know, you know, structural balance, got involved in Poliquin stuff and the strength and conditioning research involved with it. And I don't know if he still has this program, but it was really cool. Like you could just literally like put in, okay, overhead squat, you know, 215 for 10 reps. And then you, you know, you, I carried, you know, 135 and one arm for 500, you know, so you put in this data and it would tell you percentage wise where you are and where you should be compared to like how you're developed. So he had like, he had like a hundred plus movements in this thing. And it's just like, you can literally test them all and in different rep ranges and it'll tell you like, okay, you need to do more high rep back squatting, or you need to do more one arm farmer carries, or you need to do more step ups. Your lunges are good, but your step ups aren't. And so it was really, it was really cool. This thing that he put together and we saw putting it into action, how effective it was, especially with chronic pain patients um, and CrossFitters. Um, who tend to be in chronic pain. I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, it was a super effective thing that he put together. Uh, and then that, that's what kind of led to our, you know, remote one-on-one and the Bulletproof programs. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll go right into it because CrossFit, I think at its core has a, a lot of uh, deficiencies in terms of its movement selection. And I think, you know, like you, you talk about you know, chronic pain or different things like that. I mean, chronic pain comes from a lot of times either, you know, some sort of dysfunction or, or imbalances, but also overuse from doing the same things over and over again. And if you're always bilateral squatting, 
no matter if it's a wall ball, a front squat, or a back squat, you're always doing the same thing. And what you guys brought as active life and, you know, from Corey and, and from OPEX and all these different people who kind of brought this idea um, is that like this unilateral and testing one side to the other has some carries some weight and, you know, no, I guess a pun intended there, but, <laughs> but it's important that, that we have those. And can you just touch upon like why those kind of structural balances mean something and what, you know, not, not to say that you have to throw out all the numbers and be like, oh, you should have a farmer's carry that's, you know, one and a half times your body weight that's compared to this, that, and the other thing. But just give an idea, like the rationale for the structural balance in terms of joint health and musculoskeletal health in general. Yeah. So kind of when you look at, when you look at CrossFit, they do talk about constant variance and this, which is great in theory, but I think it wasn't followed through on, especially when, when the kind of the CrossFit boom hit. Um, what ended up happening is, you know, well-intentioned gym owners and programmers were programming to do well at the open. And so the, I feel like they were only using open movements, which was to your, the, to your point. Yeah. Thrusters, wall balls, deadlifts, all bilateral pull-ups, all bilateral stuff. So it was kind of this like cascade effect from the games in the open and, and in regionals at that point. And that's what was being focused on in these CrossFit gyms. And so the idea is, is if you're, if you're constantly using the same anatomy, right? If you're squatting every day to some degree, you know, you're, you're not giving enough time to recover. So that's the first thing. So that's why the, the variance needs to take place. You know, if you, you know, you, you are more likely to suffer a hip impingement if you're squatting every day in a row for a hundred days. Now, the, the, so just, you know, again, providing just that variance of, okay, let's do a single leg versus a double leg sometime. We'll just give that anatomy a chance to recover, right? You know, imagine it's almost like you imagine like your Wolverine, <laughs> you know, like your, your muscles get shredded when you work out, you need time to recover from that. And so constantly doing those same things, you never get time to recover those little pieces of anatomy. So simply providing more variance just gives you the opportunity to perform work without wearing out your joints or tendons and so forth. So well, the idea with structural balance is whatever you do, you get good at, right? So yeah, you know, and you start to see in CrossFit, yeah, they're squatting all the time. So when we were evaluating these CrossFitters, we were, we were noticing that people were tremendously well-developed in their squat, very poorly developed in their hinge. So what they would end up doing is not only were they squatting all the time, but they would actually, when it was time for them to hinge, they would actually squat because that was a better movement pattern for them further, you know, putting their anatomy in perpetual recovery mode. So starting to say, okay, like, listen, you're really good at squatting. It's very well developed compared to this hinge. Let's get you hinging a little bit more. That's going to give your hips a little bit more of an opportunity to recover. You know, so you see a lot of hip impingement into your hip pain that would, that would go away because you're resting a, you're resting that movement B you're develop you're developing this other pattern, giving this person more you know, opportunity to move differently. And then they get back to squatting and they don't have pain. Uh, same thing with the shoulder. We saw there's a lot of pulling down, right? What did, what did CrossFit put a lot of value on? Muscle ups, pull ups, rope climbs, toes to bar, right? Not so much. They're, they're better now, but not so much upward pressing, right? Not so much upward pulling. So you're starting to see all these shoulder impingements just because the shoulder got so good at downwardly rotating day in and day out. Then once we introduced more upward rotation, we saw less impingement because it, it actually normalized the mechanics at right. the joint. So you just found things, and, and this is why, you know, like you, you had talked about a little bit, in CrossFit's definition, they do say constantly varied, but I think in their initial, like if you were to go do your level one, they teach you 
you know, whatever their seven fundamental movement patterns or whatever they are. And there, there's no unilateral stuff in there. There's no, um, any of that kind of stuff. Like they talk about constantly varied, but they don't really, like you said, they don't walk, they talk to talk, but not really walk it because there wasn't this, this education behind it where, you know, this fun, the, you know, quote unquote functional training where we are doing the unilateral stuff and we're, we are doing these, you know, we're not just vertically pushing and we're not just vertically pulling. There's also horizontal and there's also, a, you know, upward rotation and downward rotation. And, you know, we do want to hinge. I remember I did the CrossFit football certification a long time ago and John Welburn, who was the, the head of it, he talked to, he was talking about how like, you know, when you see CrossFit people in general, like they have like, he was talking about girls specifically, but he was like, yeah, they have really big quads and really, really big butts, but they have no hamstrings. Yep you know, because they squat so much, you know, and they have like really underdeveloped hamstrings. And like you said, they don't hinge properly when they do hinge. It's mm-hmm. all squat, 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 squat. And then their hamstrings are underdeveloped. And then you have that, you know, that impingement because your femur is not sliding back and like it's supposed to when you, you know, so it's all that kind of stuff that comes into play from doing the same things over and right. over and over again. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think to be fair too, I don't think we knew this stuff, you know, or CrossFit knew this stuff 10 years ago. I think there's been a lot of development in the movement sciences in the last decade um, to start to realize this, you know, that, okay, yeah, like we, we can't just be working out in a telephone booth all the time with on, on two arms and two legs. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, I like got, you, you made me think about like that little, that little rubric they had for programming. I did, I know they did it at the L2 recently or and the L1 where they would say like, okay, like just yeah. add up how you did this and these are the movements. And so I think, you know, like it's basically this line lineup of all these different movements, but none of them are unilateral, <laughs> you know? So it's just like, so, you know, in, in a roundabout way, you know, if you, if you're not, you know, into movement science, if you're not into continuing education, you're like, well, these are all the movements that exist. I just need to stay in this realm where I think now CrossFit, you know, and I really, I love, and then I've, I'm varying it, right? I did different squats. Right, yeah. <laughs> I did light squats for high reps and then I did, uh, heavy squats for low reps. It was just different. Um, <laughs> but, but that's why I loved when they started putting the, the dumbbell, the dumbbell in the open, because that, that was my thing too, is, you know, the open has a lot of cascade effect on what you're doing. Cause you know, 2014, you're a CrossFit gym owner your people think they can go to the games and your people are focused on doing well in the open. So, you know, again, you're like, okay, well, uh, we just need to practice these open things. And, and it's like, it's all bilateral, 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 high, super high intensity, you know? And, and uh, once they started branching out from that, you know, introducing the dumbbell and even like walking lunges and stuff like that, uh, you started to see more and more gyms incorporate that stuff, which is the thing is a huge win. Yeah, I think I think so. I think that that helped everybody in the CrossFit realm. Now, my background is kind of a different like I didn't start as CrossFit. Like I started kind of like I would say Mike Boyle is kind of like a mentor, like a, like he may not know it, but I did a lot of stuff from him. Yeah, in my head. I've met, I've met him a bunch of times and he answers my email, so it's good enough for me. His big thing was always like Bulgarian or rear foot elevated split squats and and unilateral single leg deadlifts and not really a whole lot of single single arm upper body stuff, but definitely focusing on the single arm or single leg like unilateral stuff. So I've always incorporated, you know, from my time coaching football back in, you know, 2006 through my track and field athletes, we've always done at least some sort of unilateral stuff. So there you know, when you say like I think the CrossFit folks because CrossFit was putting out so many things that were I guess like they they branded or they thought was the best stuff you know when they would put out like CrossFit powerlifting or CrossFit Olympic lifting CrossFit gymnastics CrossFit this CrossFit that every they had all these subcategories so you kept getting 
you know, in some ways, a lot of the same information over and over again. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I, I always kind of forced myself to do was kind of look outside of the CrossFit box and find different people who were also very successful in the strength and conditioning world and see what they were doing. And that helped me a ton personally, like find different things. I know we've talked about OPEX a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, you know, like I've had Boyle and all those guys who've trained high level athletes for a real long time and they do different things. And I kind of try to blend or mold or make some sort of unique version right. of that throughout the whole time here. Yeah. And I think that's, what's important. That's what I think, um, more, like the boxes that are still alive have been doing that stuff, you know, cause that yeah. you, you can't like you, you learn early on in owning a gym. If you're constantly needing to acquire new members, you're not going to survive. And if you're constantly hurting people yeah. and you, to the point where they don't want to show up and stop becoming a member, you know, you're, you're in for a, you're in for a difficult business. And so really when, you know, the, the, the box owners who are like, okay, I need to keep my people healthy. And that's going to keep them happy and keep them in the box. Those are the gyms that are still around, you know, like, like I follow what you do and you're doing a phenomenal job and saying like, no, this isn't about saying, you know, be a slave to this methodology. It's like, no, like what's works, what works, you know, let's, let's bring that in. And I think that, you know, that was sure. CrossFit's underlying thing. Like you, you really look back at Glassman stuff early on. It was just like, no, like this is all one big experiment to see what works the best. You know, if some gym in Idaho is, you know, winning the, the team of the affiliate cup. Well, what are they doing? Well, let's, we should do more of that. Um, and so I think, you know, not that's on the competitive level, but I think on the business level and the health level, because most people are into this for their health is saying, okay, like, yeah, you're going to get a good workout. How do we keep your joints healthy that you can keep coming back and working out? Cause that, that I think joint health, obviously I'm, I'm biased, but that is the most, that's the, the most ignored portion of health in in gyms and and probably in in society people don't think about how they're always thinking about their cardiovascular health you know like that's number one but it's just like well guess what you can't even work on your cardiovascular health if your knee and your hip don't work exactly you know and a lot of times your joint health becomes a limiting factor um to to somebody developing health yeah and i think like when people um one of my biggest pet peeves that really you know really grinds my gears type of thing is that really you know overweight folks who are trying to lose weight for the first time you know everything is you know in a bad spot so to speak mm-hmm. their first thing that they want to do is go running <laughs> right <laughs> and i'm just like dude like you know my my one of my brothers is is a prime example he was like yeah you know i'm i'm i started running i was like dude like in a week you're going to call me and say like my knees are killing me my ankles are killing me right because you just said, like, I don't have the musculoskeletal system to support this weight in like a, a very dynamic, aggressive, like running is probably one of the most aggressive pounding things on your joints and muscles than, than anything else, really. Like I can get you on a bike or I can get you doing some air squats, like with some support that won't beat you up as much as going for a run. Absolutely. And, and I, well, and that's the thing is like, and it becomes so defeating for that person, right? It's like, think about the amount of energy it took for them to muster up like, okay, the buck stops here. I'm changing my life. And that's a big, that's a big deal. That takes a lot for anybody to change their life and then to get going with it. And then it's just, it's so defeating. And I see it, I see it on a daily basis where it's just like with the best intentions, I'm, I'm going to get healthy. And then boom, now my knee hurts. Oh, I guess I shouldn't get off the couch. You know, let me just go back to my old habits before I even form new yeah. ones. And, um, yeah, it, it's sad. And that's why you need, I think that's one of the things that we, you know, you kind of sent to me was, you know, 
how do you like how, about finding a coach like you, you know you, and you know and, and how do you prevent pain and i think a lot of it is just knowing where you want to go and what you want to do and having somebody that can shepherd you there and then what what like so i'm looking for that shepherd like how do i what are the first things because i think a lot of people uh you know we, we talk i've been talking about it like every podcast a little bit but you know a lot of people have these big hang-ups with spending money on on finding that person mm-hmm. to help guide them like they want i want to go to planet fitness for ten dollars and, and and improve and i'll just say that you can't do that but as, as you know like as we're saying like when you're in a where you're 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 pretty far far off with what you, you know your your health and life is right now um it might be time to have somebody help guide you and shepherd you in that path so like what would be you know obviously you know the money thing is obviously always going to be a a touchy subject or difficult one to manage for some folks but like what would you i mean guidance for folks who are out there listening who are like man i really need to make a change or i i just can't you know i've tried that this thing on my own it's just not working like how do i get how do i pick somebody how do i find somebody whatever yeah i think as far as coaching is concerned um because right we can talk about this as far as finding a you know a therapist like a chiropractor physical therapist too but a lot of the times you're going to get what you pay for, right? And if you're paying $10 a month and you think you're going to go in there and do it, that's the equivalent of like saying of having like a five-year-old at the free throw line and betting on him going in, him putting it in the hoop. Yeah, it might happen, but it's probably <laughs> the, the chances are low. You know, if, if, if you find when you're looking at a, a trainer, you know, you want to have Steph Curry, right? You want to have the guy that's, it's going to be like, yes, this is what we're looking for. And so, I really think, you know, when you're looking for someone, talking about their process, okay, that that there needs to be some level of individualization, right? If I'm if I'm out there looking for a, you know, a, a trainer, I'm going to say, okay, what's your process? Are you going to sit down and consult with me? You know, are you, are, are you interested in, in my injury history? Or are you interested in where I want to go, you know, before we even start moving? Because I think that that's the biggest thing is just getting on the same page and and just being like yeah like we're on the same team here from there are they doing some sort of assessment on me are they assessing my ranges of motion are they assessing my baseline capacity to move are they assessing my baseline strength or cardiovascular um output you know and taking the time that those three things right there if if you're if your trainer's doing that uh plus the added bonus of hey have you ever worked with anybody like me and what is what has your experience been with them what is your success rate you add that on top, that's the guy I'm going with and they're going to be worth every penny, right? Because if you don't, when people get worried about paying money up front, your problem, you, you think you're as bad as you can be, right? You can always be worse. And for every dollar you spend today, you're, you're saving $10 in the future from the meds that you're going to be on, the surgery that you're going to need, so on and so forth. So if you find the trainer that's clicking those boxes, spend it. It's on you. You're, you're, you're making yourself better. And it's not only going to improve you physically, it's going to improve you mentally. Like you're going to become better at your job. You're going to become a better husband, wife, all of that stuff because you're investing this in yourself and you're going through the process of success. Super important, all of those different things. And it's the dollars you spend today, like you said, the $10. So, I mean, we talked about, you'd hit it on it a little bit with surgery. Like I think the area I've, I've had people you know, come in, I've worked with three um, in personal training settings, which is obviously the, the best situation for them right now. Three folks who've had previous hip surgery. 
and relatively recently, older clientele, they've had hips. We've had, you know, our area has tons of hips and knees. I, I would love to know like some statistics on it, but our area has, has tons of hips and knees done. And it's just so, so crazy that I just feel like that folks can not, maybe not prevent it because they're, they're so far, you know, gone in some ways because they've let them about themselves go for so long, but at least try before you go and, and have surgery. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Like it, you're in the same pain or the same situation that you're already in. You know what I mean? Like if you had, if you're in like really bad, you know, hip, knee pain, whatever it is, and you're contemplating surgery, you know, like if you had someone that, that checked all the boxes, like Jeremy was saying, they had a good process. They gave you through a good assessment. You know, have you ever worked with somebody with knee pain before? Yeah. And we, you know, we took, you know, three months and they were, they were feeling better. They were able to walk downstairs with, with limited pain compared to what they're doing. They were able to do this, that, and the other thing. Then great. Like, let's take three months and we'll spend a little bit of money. And we'll work with this person. And then if afterwards it's still like crazy, which, you know, if, if they check all those boxes, most likely that's not going to be crazy. Most likely they do know what they're doing. And if you are, like you said, you get what you pay for. If you're going to go, you know, pay the guy $10, $10 a training session and he has you doing burpees every other day. Yeah. Your knee pain may not go away, but if you have someone who's doing and checking all these boxes, I, I mean, I, I would probably bet that your knee pain, maybe not be gone entirely, but definitely a lot better than it was previous. And if you stuck with that, you know, you may be able to prevent yourself from going to surgery altogether. For sure. And, and I think there's, there's a couple of things to unpack there. The, I mean, the, the first thing is if you're, if you're in chronic pain, chronic pain usually happens for one of two reasons, you know, there's outliers to this, but you're either trashing yourself right? You are just making bad decisions, right? The, the, the person who has knee pain and they're like, well, yeah. it doesn't hurt when I squat, but it throbs after. And you do that for 10 years. You're giving yourself chronic pain, right? If you're not listening to your body, that that's on you. The other thing that I see a lot of, right? Because most of my patients have seen two other providers before they've seen me, right? I'm not, I'm not the first guy you want uh, that people see. I, I'm, I'm just more expensive. So people don't want to come see me, but I am in business and I'm busy because I solve problems that other people can't. And other, a lot of people get misdiagnosed. And as much crap as there is in the, the personal training and training world, there's the equally as much crap in the you know physical therapy and chiropractic world. And really what I see is people coming in and they just have not had the right diagnosis. Therefore, they did not get the right treatment. When we provide them with the right treatment, then they become successful. So, you know, so that's, that's one thing is if you're, if you're in chronic pain, you, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're diagnosed correctly, period. Stop. End of sentence. Um, the other thing is I, I have people where I'll walk in and I'll say, listen, I think, you know, 50% of your hip pain is coming from your labrum. You know, it's a torn labrum. We have it on MRI. It's a labrum. It make talks like a labrum, walks like a labrum. But I think 50% of your diagnosis is adhesion in your, in your hip capsule and your adductor. That stuff I can help you with. Would you be happy feeling 50% better? You know, that's just an honest conversation to have. And we say, listen, okay, like I have a woman right now who's in her 30s, you know, has a torn labrum. And guess what? She does not feel pain unless she squats. <laughs> right? She's good. Torn labrum, no pain. As soon as she starts squatting, comes back. All right. Well, if you want to squat, you need surgery. It's not worth it at that point. But sorry, went off track there. But um, it's I know that's a great, uh, a great point to kind of, you know, segue into something a little bit about that is because if you want like people have these 
you know, whether it's mixed diagnosis, whether they are their diagnosis or whatever, but like, if you really, if you really are holding on to that, like I need to squat type of idea for what? And I always, I mm-hmm. think that brings us back to having that honest conversation. Like, why do you want to squat? Like if it causes you pain, what are you getting out of it that you can't get out of something else? Well, and, and, and well, and, it, and it's, it's also saying that now, but it's, it's, it's okay. Like, so it's really, why do you want to do that? What do you want to be able to do is the question. And, and not what do you want to be able to do next week, next year? What do you want to be able to do when you're 80? You know, and that and that's how I, I have to talk to a lot of my patients and saying, like, listen, I know you don't want to rest. I don't want you to rest. I want you. Pl- I want you working out. The, the facts are 80 year old you is going to thank me for telling you to rest this while we while we work this out. Right. Because a lot of times it's hey, well, this thing, every injury in the history of mankind has been due to, you know, too much load. On, on a piece of anatomy. So a lot of times just to get out of pain to start, well, we got to unload that. We got to let your body heal. If you're, if you're, th- if your thumb is jammed in a car door, what, what's the first thing you got to do? Take your thumb out of the car door, right? Then you can heal and then you can figure it out from there. But, it, but it's also saying, okay, well, what, what are you going to do? What is, what is your underlying dysfunction? And for me in the manual therapy world, it's where's your adhesion? What is the piece? Where, where is the glue within your muscles that is sticking you down? That is over, that is causing you poor contraction that is overloading your joint that is causing this one piece of anatomy to be inflamed. Right. And, and, and it's like, okay, well we rest it short term to let it heal. I do my thing. You know, we, we, we then go after that, we figure out where you need strength. We get you doing that. And then you need to manage yourself when you get back out there. That's it. It's simple. It's not easy, but simple. Yeah. I mean, that's that. And then man, like, I think that's the tough people where the tough part, the managing themselves is where people break down a lot because they'd be like, Oh, I, f- you know, I'm feeling pretty good today. I think I'm going to go one rep max back squat or something like that. You know, I'm going to go heavier today than I thought. And like, I always, I always tell people that's like your brain, like testing you. You're not ready to do that yet. You're not ready. Like just because you feel good today doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be progressively overloading you to get back to where you were. It's not just like, Hey, I'm going, I feel good today. I'm going to go right back to where I was beforehand. And I think that's the tough part for a lot of folks. It's very hard, you know, and, and that's really like when, when you talk about injury prevention, it really comes down to self-management and good guidance, right? Because if somebody comes in and they say, hey, I want to be able to do 15 muscle ups in a row, you say, OK, how many strict pull ups do you have? <laughs> you know, let's start there. You know, you need somebody to get you. there. You're going to you're going to blow yourself out, you're like, you know, just just trying to go there. Um, but the other thing is, is like I was going back with the self-management, but also habits. And, and really starting to understand that, you know, if we go back to, to CrossFit or even, you know, just exercise in general and people come in and it's just like, yeah, no, I should be laid out every day. You know, it's three, two, one, go, go as hard as you can and then just hold on for dear life. So not only like, yeah, you get really fit doing that early on and it takes a while for injuries to catch up with you, but you're establishing that habit, that habit of, okay, this is what exercise is and this is how I should feel at the end but it's completely unsustainable. So you go through that and you get really fit and then you hurt yourself, but and then you rest and, or maybe do some PT or, you know, humble a cross ball or use a vibrating gun on yourself. And then you get back into it and you do the same thing and you, Oh, my shoulder pain's back, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're still in your old habits of what you're doing. You have to recode yourself to really to, to, to say, okay, like I need this to be sustainable right? When I'm doing a five round workout, every one of those rounds should be pretty much the same. If your first round took you two minutes and your last round took you five minutes, you establish some really bad movement patterns in that. 
And that's not going to be sustainable. That's always going to catch up with you. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the important part that, or that, that self-management, self-reflection, self-guidance, whatever we want to call it in terms of being yep. that sustainability, you know, and, and trying to, you know, not, uh, you know, people, people, like you said, the people, they chase that feeling, they feel great. They have like early, some early results because, you know, they, a lot of people, they may have not done that style of training before. So yeah, any novice, that's like the novice effect, right? So you're going to get some good results. So you're like, you keep chasing it and then you like want that feeling. And then it's like, well, if you didn't go hard or didn't quote unquote go hard or didn't lay on the ground gasping for air, I feel like I didn't really work out today. And I think that's the the mindset shift is like, no, you should feel like you can go and do everything else at the end of the day. Like you shouldn't, your legs shouldn't be so fatigued or so tired because you went so hard that you can't go do your day-to-day after. Right. And it got two things on that. I mean, I had one one woman I was working with one-on-one a couple of years ago. And I like I was just like, listen, it's okay for you to feel good after a workout. That blew her mind. Like that it, her life changed in an instant like that. Because she was like, no, no, no. Like I should feel like crap. Like if I don't feel like crap, I didn't work out and do anything. I was like, no, I want you to feel good. She's like, holy moly. Like, you know, but, and then the second thing is understanding that it comes from the, the culture of your gym too, right? Because those people who are laid out, if they're being reinforced by leadership, if they're getting the attention, right? If, if, if the mentality of that gym is no, you, you go as hard as you can all the time, you know, that, that makes it even harder. You know, and, and so as someone who, yeah, I own a CrossFit gym, you know, you know, but I treat people from other gyms and it's just like, you, you just see the, the culture of the place doesn't put people in a position to succeed long-term. And so, and that makes it even harder, right? Cause you, you know, you rehab these people, you get them in, you get them on board, they're redoing habits, they're self-managing themselves. Then they go back out and it's just, they go right back into that, oh, leaderboard watching, oh, I got to feel, I got to be laid out. Oh, I have to do everything RX because so-and-so is calling me a wuss for, for, you know, doing step-ups instead of box jump. Yeah. The coach is saying stuff, right? Like forcing them to be like, Hey, like, why aren't you going RX today? Like, why are you being, like, why are you being soft or why are you not doing that? Or, you know, it's, it's crazy. Why, why'd you pick up the 40? Why'd you pick up the 40 pound dumbbell? Why aren't you going 50? Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Cause it feels better. That's, that's why. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. You know, cause guess what? The person who can work out 300 times in a year, you know, feeling good is going to have a much better life in 10 years than the person who's doing 150 workouts a year and having to modify and go through the mental language and the joint pain. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent. We're, we're speaking the same language here. So, um, we talked about a lot of different things here. I think, you know, so once we get in pain, we talked about, you know, getting out of it, you know, make sure we, we kind of step away for a little bit, you know, just let the actual tissue calm down a little bit and then obviously see somebody like jeremy who you know knows what they're talking about who's going to give you a proper assessment a proper diagnosis right so then you can receive the the proper treatment for your whatever ailment or thing that's bothering you and then when we get back into the gym you know we talk about this kind of uh self-reflection or self-guidance or whatever like what what types of i guess do you have specific type benchmarks or check marks to like get somebody when they go back into the gym, like, Hey, for a couple of weeks, just do like 50% of whatever's on the board. Like if they're going to a CrossFit style gym or a type of gym like that, do you have some sort of get back to play protocols or anything like that? I do. Uh, it's it's going to be dependent on the body region. Um, so, you know, like for low back, say somebody hurt their low back deadlifting. Okay. You know, 
any sort of or any hinging we'll say so like it's like okay to get to get started all right you're not hinging uh you're, you're not using a barbell you're not doing much of you when you <laughs> first start your back right yeah. throwing's out of the question right you're just you there's just too much load that goes through it so basically i'll, I'll kind of spare you through that there's other things you can do while you're doing it like you can still do upper body strict movement a lot of the time so push-ups pull-ups dips like yeah go go to town on that once you get out of the acute phase I need you to be pain free for two weeks before we start to resume hinging. So that's number one. You need to get some space between you and your pain. Because a lot of times, once somebody feels like they're out of pain, yeah, you're out of pain, but your tissue isn't healed. You're not, you're still not moving well. So from there, you know, we have to, we have protocols with hamstring strengthening and doing good mornings that we'll have people go through. Then it's going to be like, okay, once you get back in, you're going to do when there's deadlifting, you're going to do 50% of what you normally do. And that's the only hinge you're doing that week. Because I want to understand what happens to you after that hinge. Right? A lot of times people are like, oh, I did, I've deadlifted 50% on Monday, like you told me to. And then I rode a 2k, uh, tried to PR on Tuesday. And now my back hurts again. You're like, all right. <laughs> so you have to be very specific with not only the load, um, you know, but also the frequency that they're, you know, stressing the, uh, an injured area. They can do that. Okay, now we move up. Now we'll, now, then we'll, we'll do more weight still only once a week. We'll do that for four weeks. And then we'll build up into having, uh, you know, after four weeks, now you can hinge twice a week. And we start to get people more and more slack. Yeah, and I think some folks don't realize that, hey, like rowing is, is a, like a very heavy hingey type movement. You know, they just look at it as cardio. You know, but if you th- if you look at it as like a deadlift, mo- you know, thing, let's say you're rolling at 28 strokes per minute and you're doing, you know, two minutes, that's 56 deadlifts, essentially. You have 56 reps of a deadlift. And you, and you like I said, right row a 2K, you know, you're doing that four times. So you're not even at like 224 deadlifts. So you just cranked up the volume. Yeah, it might be a light load, but you just cranked up your volume and then your back is flared up. Yeah, cause, and that's what's tough with, uh, with kind of multimodal fitness is a lot of times you you can do things with the best intention but if you're coming off of an injury you're not it's not always certain what's going to irritate it you know so it's so you just want to be very careful and weighed and measured when you start to get back into the gym again not only with you know loads you know intensity of working out but also how frequently are you loading that injured tissue you know like you know that you want to if you squat on a monday right you you shouldn't row on a tuesday especially when you're just coming back, you know, that's something that you build up to. And really it's, it's, it's about a three month process to get through it. Well, and it's, it's really funny, just observationally for me, I've had more people get hurt with moderate to light loads at high reps than with heavy reps. Very rarely do I have people come in um, after I was like, Oh, it was a one rep max. It was a heavy. Yeah, it happens. But usually it's more the, you know, the moderate rate uh, weights that they're moving faster at under you know and under fatigue. yeah the under under fatigue and lack of focus when you're when you're going to deadlift one rep max you're like tightening everything up as tight as you can and you're trying to like really make sure you don't get hurt and when you're doing like those light to moderate loads you know you get fatigue right that that muscular endurance the posterior chain and all that stuff f- fades your core fades out and then you're not as focused because you're tired and then it's like yep. that's when things go all go to crap and again it goes back to that sustainability with your pacing um, and that's going to lead to sustainability in, uh, for your joint health and in your fitness. And, and, and like overall, vo- like, so volume, volume is always like a really interesting thing to me. 
Um, and I try to program when we program our group, our group strength and conditioning uh, classes. And I try to stay certain things like at certain rep ranges and volumes. Like we, we try not to do so many hinges or so many squats or so many things. And if we, you know, let's say if we do a bilateral squat in the strength, let's say we do like a front squat, then in the, in the conditioning, we're doing a step up or we're doing a lunge or we, we try to, you know, mix and match those things as much as possible. Is there any like specific volume that, that folks would stay away? Like, I mean, there was a one open workout from a couple of years ago. It was like 55 deadlifts at 225 to start it off. And it was like 55 calorie rowing and then it was like 55 wall balls. It's like onslaught, you know, and then not to say 55 reps of something is, is crazy, but then you, you compound those things, mm-hmm. right? That's when they get a little, a little wild. Right. And so, I mean, there's no magic number uh, for any of that stuff. Everybody's so yeah. individualized, but I think to your point and what you're already doing is, is saying, all right, for, for fitness sake, we, we really don't want to overtax any movement pattern or any, any piece of anatomy. So even to put like rowing and heavy deadlifting in the same workout or like row deadlift kettlebell swing, like those are just things where you're just, you're asking for trouble with that stuff. Um, even, even like any sort of, um, you know, hinge with a toes to bar is you're really, you're really running the, the risk there because you have to understand like toes to bar, your spine's going through end range flexion and extension, your core is fatiguing. And now you're asking somebody to brace and do a hinge. Yeah. You're, you're asking for trouble. So there, there are certain things like that where it's like, Hey, let's, <laughs> let's not do that. And that, again, it comes back to that, that idea of the open having this trickle down effect. Well, the open's a competition. The open opens, they're literally trying to find the fittest people on earth and earth. And this is stage one. And so, yeah, they're trying to, trying to pry people apart in a competitive aspect, in a competitive realm, you know, versus, you know, you know Tuesday, March 15th, <laughs> you know, like, let me just get an exercise stimulus. So, you know, I burn some calories and get a little stronger and feel good about myself. You know, like those, those are two very, very different things. Very different. And I think that's where uh, there's also that part of the, the whole, the whole situation. I think that we, we both find ourselves in is I had, I had a former member today reach out to me and ask me what my plans were for the open. And I kind of chuckled because I told him I didn't have any, you know, because like, you know, we're not, I'm not a competitive gym. I'm not, I'm not training people for competition. I'm not training folks for, you know, that sort of thing. Am I training folks for sports? Yes. I'm training them for soccer and for football and lacrosse and things like that. And those, those clients and those athletes get something different than the folks who are getting general fitness. And I think the general fitness folks, like Jeremy just said, like that, I want to come in, I want to burn some calories. I want to sweat. I want to have fun and I want to leave feeling good. Right. I want, it's okay. Like he said, it's okay for you to feel good after your workout. It's okay to feel good and to go (laughs) home and be happy and sweaty and smiling and all that jazz and feel good about it. Yep. Well, and it's like, and you know what, if you really need to feel bad, there's this thing called an echo bike. And if you just go do 30 second sprints with three minutes off in between, just do four of those you'll be fine. <laughs> be, and, and lots of things, it's safe. You know, like you're not really risking any joint damage with that intensity. Like, yeah, there could be some detrimental metabolic effects if you repeatedly do that, but, you know, <laughs> but, but it's, it's going to be at least joint friendly and you can get laid out in a joint friendly way. Well, like with, with like ordering your work, like even when you're designing a workout and you're like, okay, like 
people are saying like they haven't felt bad in a long time. Let me make them feel bad. Okay. Well, let's have them. Yeah. We'll do some power cleans and then we'll do some pull-ups and in the time, like it, it's a minute, right? Do let's do eight power cleans uh, let's do eight pull-ups and in the time remaining in that minute, do as many calories as you can on the bike. There you go. That, that's a, that's a safe way to feel a ton of intensity and feel like you got laid out. For sure. And I think what, like I said, we're, we're, we're speaking the same language here we're, we're doing, if I came into your gym, I would feel confident. Rob and I have talked a couple of times, like I'd feel confident coming to your gym and knowing that I would get, uh, some good stuff happening and, and, and really enjoy the, the process and the different things that are happening and the programming and all that type of stuff. And some gyms I've, I've gone to and I drop in from time to time if I'm traveling. And I do it, you know, kind of like as research and kind of like to see what's happening out there. And most of the time, I'm very underwhelmed. I'm very underwhelmed. Um, I've gone into a couple of gyms where like people don't even talk to me. Like I've, I've, I'd, be, I'd be a new drop in and I'm like, I don't know where any of the equipment is. Nobody says anything to me. And like, they just like, Hey, or sign this waiver. And then like the rest of the class, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I went to one that was a partner workout and I, I felt like I was on, I felt like I was in a, you know, phys ed class and I was the worst kid. And like, nobody wanted to be my partner and I, nobody knew who I was. Nobody wanted to be my partner. So I was like, all right, where do I do any of this stuff? Like I need a barbell. I need this. And, I, and then nobody would help me out. And I was like, this is the worst experience. I think I've, I would never come. I would never come to this gym. Well, and it's funny you say that because I, we live, we live in a town where there's a lot of people that, that move out. It's a beach town. So people come, they do their thing. And it's like, all right, got, got that out of the system. Now, now I'm going to move on. So we have, we have members that, you know, they move on because they move. And kind of the best flattery that we get is when they, they go to whatever gym that they're at. They're like, this is not the same. I'm not, I'm not getting coached as much. There's no intent to the workouts. It's almost like they know more about programming than the people that are actually doing the programming. They just like, they, not only do they feel the difference, they're able to see it. They're like, cause like Rob does a great job. Like, amen. Like, thank God for that guy. Uh, cause, cause I mean, he writes an intent for every workout. They literally every workout that's ever posted in our gym. Now there is, there are one to two paragraphs as to how you get the most out of it. So, because we found, yeah, you can put, you can write the best program in the world, but if people aren't interpreting it correctly, there's still there's still room for error. There's still there's still room to to make a mistake and hurt yourself in it. So he goes through and every workout has a description. And I mean that's been a huge game changer. Uh, just as far as you know, patient or sorry patient uh, member education and really decreasing injury rates. And and so yeah, when somebody gets used to that, and then they go to another gym and they're like barely getting coached, let alone they're like ah we're just doing toaster bar and deadlifts again you know, burpees and running again. Why, why, why are we doing this? Yeah. And I think that member education is huge because now, like you said, like we talked about before, like what are some strategies to help me find a practitioner or a coach? Like if I walk into a gym and I've come to a gym where I was educated and I know all this kind of stuff and I go to these and I'm like, I know more, like as a, as an athlete, I know more than the coach about what this workout is and what we're supposed to be doing. It doesn't feel right. Then that's a great, like, Hey, I need to go somewhere else, you know, kind of thing. So there's, like I said, there's a good form of flattery, good form of like, this is you building your brand and, and definitely doing the right thing by your people. I mean, they're paying a good, you know, I always think people who are, they talk about like, Oh, I can, I can go do the same thing at planet fitness. Well, you could go do the same thing at planet fitness theoretically, but like, you're not paying for the workout you're paying for all the other stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what we're, we're charged at with, with, you know, being owners of community fitness. It's, it's like, yeah, that there are people that can literally do this on their own in their house. So what are we, what are we bringing to the table and, and really starting to say, okay, well, 
the way I always think of it is I want you to just be a better person walking in our gym. I want, I want hard health decisions to be easy because you're here. You know, the, the fact that it's, it's hard enough for somebody to get the courage to walk in the door. It's even worse when they go home, you know, and they don't have the support when we're saying, Hey, you know, don't drink soda, you know, put down, put down the sugary stuff. And then they go home and they're like, Hey, I'm not going to drink soda or, Hey, I'm not going to drink a beer tonight. And then they get made fun of for that. Like, that's tough, you know? So to provide that, that atmosphere, that support, that community where it's just like, no, there are other people that are like, that's just going to be easy. Like I just need to show up and the energy of the coaching staff and the people around me are just going to carry me to being a healthier and better individual. And really that's, that's what I think we're charged with um, as far as, you know, gym ownership. In, in yeah, and I think that's a hundred percent. It goes back to the same thing when we were talking about self-management and going, but you, you treat people from other places and then they go back to that other gym. It's just the same thing like going back home and you don't have that support system where you have people kind of self, you know, they're sabotaging your progress in a lot of ways. And, you know, you want to have those people who are supportive yeah. around you and no better places than like, you know, Island Park Fitness or, or Prime Movement Performance or, you know, probably Jamie as a CrossFit Trivium. There's a lot of great people there. Um, and just places where fitness and, and making yeah. the right decision is the norm. And, and you want to be able to be a part of a community that's helping you move towards that and move in a positive direction. For sure. Yeah, but not just, not just, hey, come in and get smashed. Come in and get smashed. And then we're going to drink beers after. Yep, exactly. Great recovery. Yeah. Not, nothing against beers, but no, not no, the best no, thing no. to do after doing Murph and doing some crazy workout after that. That's once, in, once in a while, once in a while, it's advisable. But, you know, uh, when, it, when it becomes the habit, that's, that's not. All right, my man. So we're at about an hour. I know we had a couple of hiccups in there that we're going to have to, to fix later later on. But we touched upon a lot of different things. We talked about variants. We talked about injuries. We talked about health. We talked about how to get out of pain, like where we're going to go, structural balance, diagnosis, injury prevention, self-management. We got a lot of stuff in there all yeah. rolled in a nice little hour package. And, um, you know, I really thank you to, for getting on here and um, appreciate taking the time. And then, uh, you know, where would we be able to find you? And like I said, in the beginning, Jeremy's pushing out a little bit more stuff on social media and uh, getting a little bit more active. But where are we looking for finding you? Um, you can on, on Instagram um, is the only place I do stuff now. And that's Vatra Spine Sport would be my my at there. And then um, our gym is uh, Island Park Fitness. And then um, Rob that we've talked about, he runs a uh, build the engine. Um, so there's some good workout, sustainable workout ideas there, um, as well as our, our gym page does have some tips and tricks and some, uh, you know, nutrition and stuff there. So you can kind of get information of similar ilk that you're putting out um, there, maybe say, hearing the same thing, but in a different angle. <laughs> For sure. And, and, and Rob's build the engine would be if you're if you're a prime listener, uh, similar to our groove, our groove days. So we on Wednesdays, we do a groove day, which are long kind of like uh, aerobic efforts. Mm -hmm. we just call them grooves because just awesome. getting a groove in. Yeah, we, we do that on Wednesday also. Yeah. It, it, it breaks up the week really well. It's awesome. See, told you. Same ilk, same thing. Uh, just a different, different person it. saying it. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> well, sometimes it takes it. You know, I, I found so you, you can't be an expert unless you live 50 miles away from somebody. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember going to a conference. Sometimes you get a little too close. You're like, nah, I don't know. Yeah. So it's good to hear it from somebody else from time to time. 
for sure. I remember being at a, before so. we leave, I remember being at a conference and he was talking about teaching speed to his football team. Like he was a division one strength and conditioning coach. And he's like, I just call my buddy yeah. from the next, the next college over. I tell all my athletes, he's the expert. And then he comes and teaches all the same thing. I t- <laughs> And they all listen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right. So thanks. Humans are funny. We're funny little creatures. Yeah, for sure. So thanks, thanks again for hanging out with us for an hour, taking some time out of your busy day. Uh, Jay Todd's got a couple of kids just like I do. Um, so it's finding an hour in there to, to, to get it in and do and chat is always a little bit more difficult. We text from time to time, but we usually like a week off on each other. So um, it's great catching up. And uh, thanks for helping yeah. these folks find their prime. Appreciate it. Likewise, man. Uh, happy to do it. Whenever, whenever I can talk shop with you, it's always a good time. So whenever you need me. And thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Prime Podcast. Uh, again, if you're looking to find Jeremy on the interwebs, right, he owns Island Park Fitness and Vatra Spine and Sport uh, down on Long Island area. Great, great guy. Ton of information. Uh, really, really helpful. Um, if you need to reach out, check him out. And as always, we'd love for you to give us some glowing reviews and some ratings So make sure you subscribe to us so you get all the latest content from the Prime Podcast. See you next time.